As the story goes, God made Adam in his own image and then later took a rib from Adam's side and fashioned a woman out of it to be his wife and companion. This Adam and Eve version of the creation myth reinforces a subordinate view of women. Man is cast as the original concept and source code for woman who is derived from his body. Essentially, Eve is a sequel to Adam, just as Ms. Pac-Man was built from the body of Pac-Man who came before her. You're listening to Don't Repeat This, the show where we talk about the stuff you're not supposed to bring up at the dinner table. I'm Nate. I'm Vicky. And Gail is trying to find the perfect sugar shack for us all to hide in for one final quarantine. <laughs> or, as they call it in Quebec, a cabano souk. Souk. <laughs> souk. <laughs> I don't cabana speak French. Souk. <laughs> that sounds really nice. I'm, I'm brushing up on my French. Uh, last week, we were talking about video games. Um, if yeah. you didn't hear that conversation, go back and check it out, because it, it was fun. Um, <laughs> and also... We got a little spicy in that in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, we, if you couldn't tell, we love we love video games, um, but we also because we love video games. Like Vicky, you were saying last week, we we notice things in them as people who love video games. We notice some really problematic stuff we in do. video games, um, the games themselves, and in gaming culture, but. Um, I think we're focusing in more on the games themselves. So last week, we had a conversation about race in video games. This week, we're going to talk about women and uh, representation of women in video games. So let's talk a little about that. There's a a word that we used last week, um, the word tropes. Um, And I kind of want to use that as the springboard as well, because that's kind of what we're well, essentially what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, Vicky, you had a definition for tropes, right? That um, I thought was a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah. I Tropes are just like, it's a cliche. So, basically, a harmful trope in video games is it's a common or overused theme in video games, which could unintentionally harm or isolate or other those who aren't portrayed in the game. Or who are right. portrayed in the game, but portrayed poorly. Now that we're talking about women in video games, I want to give a shout out to this podcast called uh, Feminist Frequency. They did a series on their YouTube channel called Tropes versus Women in Video Games, and it was hosted by Anita Sarkeesian. And I highly recommend it. I've watched um, about five or six episodes in that series. Vicky, you've seen like one or two episodes, right? Yeah, it's really well done. Um, yeah. Surprisingly well done for all of the snark backlash, but that's unfounded. And we've talked about that previously. Yes. yes. Um, but yeah, I was really impressed by the production quality. And there was a lot to learn. So we're going to talk a little bit about that here. And so in, in that series, um, Sarkeesian gave a whole list of tropes in video games that are harmful to women and we're gonna kind of highlight a few of them but i I did want to mention though that in uh in 2014 the entertainment software association uh they did kind of a a survey of of gamers now they they do one every year but i'm gonna pick out 2014 because the numbers were a little bit easier to um to put together for this uh for for these statistics but they found that 36 percent of all gamers were adult women 
compared to 35% being adult men and 17% being boys, I think below 18. Hmm. Which means that if you break it down in that particular uh, breakdown, adult women make up a majority of, uh, of gamers. Uh, adult gamers, yeah. Of, uh, yeah, of adult gamers, for sure. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm bad at math after two whiskeys. <laughs> That's all right. I I was very surprised by this statistic because it yeah. seems like it's not, uh, doesn't, doesn't really, I don't really hear that in the zeitgeist mm-hmm. of people talking about video games. Video games don't seem to be made with that statistic in mind. Which is evidenced by what goes on within the games themselves right and briefly i think it it might be worth mentioning that you know i'm sure somebody is going to point out the fact that that number includes filthy casuals who only play candy crush or whatever but you know what (laughs) those are still video games as much as we might make fun of people who play those games they're still games and if you're playing those games you're still technically a game i don't make fun of people who play call of duty that much right and that's a very i mean i'm not gonna rip call of duty because it's a very lucrative franchise Mm -hmm. but it's basically first person shooter and there's some storyline but for the most part it's just rinse and repeat like new location whenever the next (laughs) game comes out and upgraded graphics so i yep you know what people are gonna complain about me like right back at you bud exactly (laughs) Anyways, so yeah, like what what I find interesting is that despite that statistic, like we were saying, the games themselves do not seem to reflect the fact that the majority of adult gamers are women. So mm-hmm. yeah, so let's talk about uh, uh, some of these these tropes. Yes, um, can we talk this'll, about this'll the damsel in distress because that's the my least favorite one. Yes, and that's the one that has like most historically been embedded within video games. I mean, think about one of the first video games that had like playable characters that were identifiable as People? human characters yeah. on a game <laughs> <laughs> was um, Donkey Kong. Like the original, original Donkey Kong. Yeah, 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 exactly. But the, like, levels, like, what is that called when there's, like, levels and you jump from platform? Platform, Platform, yeah. Platform leveler? Yeah. Yeah, platformer. Um, It was, like, the very first platformer. um, And literal platforms, like, you jump from one platform to the next, you climb a ladder from one platform to the next. Um... So if you're not familiar with Donkey Kong, the premise is that you have this little this little man that was climbing up to rescue the damsel in distress from <laughs> the, the giant gorilla named Donkey Kong. And there you go, right there. There's your that's I I mean I I'm sure it's it's existed prior to that, but to me in my recollection that was the first exposure I had to the damsel in distress trope. Yeah. Um and video games like overall have like throughout history have had the damsel in distress trope. I mean the character sorry I'm going to talk a little bit of the history of that of those characters. So the little man that you play as who's rescuing the the woman from the gorilla, that man eventually becomes Mario. Yeah. And that woman eventually becomes Princess Peach. And yeah. Princess Peach is the quintessential damsel in distress. Oh, yeah. She's always stuck in a castle guarded by some big, grotesque, masculine character. Like, non, non-human masculine character. And the masculine character. 
the human masculine character has to go rescue her. Yeah. Right? I mean, the human masculine character is also like a stereotype of an Italian American. So that's also problematic. But the fact that Peach is pretty much helpless in most of the original games and the like the traditional game structure of Mario and Donkey Kong, she just kind of like exists to be rescued. Mm-hmm. You can't interact with her. You can't really talk to her. She's just like, oh, Mario, please help me. I can't do anything until you come and get me. But she's (laughs) totally fine. She's not, like, maimed. She's not, like, chained up anywhere. She's just, like, in a beautiful gown with her hair done in her own house, I think. I I don't know. Like, the the whole damsel in distress trope. Why, why, Why do you think that's problematic? I think it's problematic because it shows masculine characters as the ones in power like whether they're the hero or the villain it's like they're calling the shots they're locking someone up or they're going to save someone and the female characters are just like a piece of furniture they're just a tool they're like an object to acquire in order to finish the game and Mm -hmm. in reality women are more than half of society (laughs) and and we can we can work now we can read we can go to school we can do all sorts of things we could drive a car we we could rescue someone else like we could rescue a man if we wanted to but that's not reflected in a lot of these games and we're going to get into you know specifically more like how how problematic it is but i think Mm -hmm. the most problematic thing for me as a woman is like if I'm playing one of these classic Nintendo games like Mario or Donkey Kong or like even like Legend of Zelda, which is not about Zelda, um, <laughs> I am not the hero and I don't yeah. see myself as a hero and I don't even see myself as like equal to the hero or like mm-hmm. even really a helper in, yeah. in most cases. I'm kind of just like I have to put my mind in in that of a like a little white man, except that women are powerless in this society that has been created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> There's a common theme that uh, that arises in, I think, some more like misogynistic or, or patriarchal attitudes of like women are the opposing team to men in um, in Deep Space Nine, which is my favorite Star Trek show. Captain Sisko gets married and General Martok gives him some advice and talks about how the moment you get from the moment you get married, it is war. You, it's, you know, you versus your wife, you know, oh and she's God. trying to, you know, she's trying to connive, uh, you know, and, and undermine you and you're going to try to undermine her. And it's this, you know, battle of wits and bat, you know, and, and it's, and he's like, but I wouldn't give up. And, and of course the Klingons, they love their war. It's their thing. But like, you know, it's a problematic attitude to see, you know, your wife as your opposition that you have to have this battle constantly. Right. You just married that freighter captain, didn't you? Yes. Then war has broken out. Whether you know it or not, long, grueling, intoxicating war. And so that's sort of a common idea, I think, in patriarchal circles. But what I think might be more accurate, and this was something that was in that YouTube series, that in the game of patriarchy, women are not the opposing team. They are the ball. Mm. They are the object that men are fighting over, that they're trying to use to score points against their opponent, which Mm -hmm. is other men. That's right. You know, just a couple of examples real quick of of this trope in games. So we got got Princess Peach. We got Princess Zelda, like you were mentioning. Oh, Zelda. Yeah. 
She would have been such a cool character, too, and yet. She is a cool character, but, like, I'm, so I'm really excited, um, to see how she exists, because I really like her in Super Smash Brothers. I'm excited to see how she exists mm-hmm. in, um, the Hyrule Warriors game that's coming yeah. out, or that just came out. Um, I'm, because she's, she's an, it, it's kind of a hack and slash, like, gameplay style, but I'm excited mm-hmm. to see how she is as a, ca- a main character that you can choose to play. Yeah. And she's not just, like, an object to be rescued. But, um, you know, up until The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, she was pretty much a Princess Peach. Like, in a castle, you had to go get her, and then when you got her, you, the game was over. Um, mm. But then, you find out she has this, like, really cool alter ego in Ocarina of Time as Sheik, which is like the secret order of warriors who, and I think there's, if I'm not mistaken, the Sheikah are, it's an order of warriors that exist to protect the royal family. Yeah. And even though she is a royal, she's also included in that order, which I think is really cool. She's also androgynous, which I think Mm -hmm. is interesting because you think about like women have to be vulnerable and feminine, and then comes along this androgynous you know, some I I think I think Sheik is actually pretty masculine. Yeah. Looking, presenting, and the only way that that character can exist is if it's non-feminine. Mm-hmm. So think about like femininity as a, is like almost equivalent to weakness in that way. It's seen mm. as you can't be feminine and also hold power, which makes me sad. But Sheik is a cool character, so I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna complain about it. One of my favorite uh, games of my childhood was um, Final Fantasy VII, mm. and the the trope exists there. Even though there there's um there's a more positive example of a of a playable character who is a who is a woman, although the way that she is portrayed is something else that we bring up later on <laughs> in in like how you know her her outfits and whatnot. But in any case, one of my favorite characters is uh, the character of Aerith. But Aerith falls prey to the whole damsel in distress that she's she's kind of a little more than a plot point. And yes, she is a playable character. Um, so, you know, Final Fantasy is a bit more nuanced in how how it kind of portrays female characters. But even a character like Aerith falls prey to that trope in in um, in her spoiler alert death in the game mm. um and uh and how her character exists as little more than a plot device for the the rest of the story to to move along and unfortunately this happens to women by much more uh so than than it happens to men that women are simply plot devices and you know like we just named a, a handful of of examples but literally this is one of the tropes that exist in I think more games than that it doesn't appear in. Mm-hmm. So another trope is the um, <laughs> miss <laughs> the miss male character. Yes, that's actually. I'm so glad that you put that in there because I didn't even think about this as being bad. I had always thought of like Ms. Pac-Man as being like, oh, she's like divorced and she really knows what she wants in life. She used to be married to to Pac-Man and then she like you know discovered that she had her own vision for consuming dots and running away from those ghost things. What's really weird about it (laughs) is that this character can only exist because 
there's a male version of the character. Exactly. There's no way for the character to exist on its own. It's not like Pac-Man and Samantha. Like, it's Ms. Pac-Man. Right. She doesn't even have a first name. And I think I think the tagline for, for Ms. Pac-Man was, or the, like, the, the, the commercial theme song had this little jingle where the line was, um... Ms. Pac-Man, I'm more than Pac-Man with a bow, or something along those but lines. But you're exactly Pac-Man with a bow! But you're literally... <laughs> exactly! Honey, don't you know I'm more than Pac-Man with a bow! All you are is Pac-Man with a bow. Yeah, that's right. I thought, I thought it was cool when I was growing up because it was like f- the only female representation of a playable character in an arcade game right. that I knew of. Yep. Um, other than like the Simpsons arcade game where you could play ah, yes. every family member. Um, yes. So in, in Hollywood, there's this, um, this thing called the Smurfette principle, which manifests and, and you know, gets its name from, if you're not familiar with the, the cartoon, the Smurfs, it's basically a town full of male characters and you have one female character. They're all Smurfs. <laughs> and the one female character is named Smurfette. <laughs> To accentuate her femininity. Don't they um, all have names except for Smurfette? No, the Smurfs are all just they're, they're like the they're they're like the the dwarves, the seven dwarves. Uh, Papa Smurf, clumsy Smurf, grouchy Smurf, brainy Smurf, hefty Smurf, <laughs> vanity Smurf, handy Smurf, greedy Smurf, wow. Smurfette. Wow. So they're they're all kind of tropes. Yeah, uh, they are. There's all of these human characteristics, and then woman. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which one do you identify with, Nate? <laughs> Smurfette. <laughs> <laughs> She's pretty. <laughs> She's got long blonde hair. I mean, I don't really see myself as any of the other characters. Except maybe Greedy Smurf, but only because in the latest iteration, uh, he was voiced by uh, Keenan Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Keenan Thompson. Me too. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, in Hollywood, you've got the Smurfs, you've got Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and then, more subtly, in, um, the TV show The Big Bang Theory. Did you ever watch that? Yeah. By the way? Yeah. Yeah. I think I got through a few seasons, and I just, I don't know, I couldn't stomach it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is problematic. It's very um, problematic. Also, I mean, this is an aside, but you could listen to The Big Bang Theory. If you, if you watch The Big Bang Theory without the laugh track, it's really not funny at all. There's no, it's, yeah, you could, you could, you could Google it. Like seriously go online uh, after listening to this and and Google Big Bang Theory without laugh track. It's pretty bad. (laughs) Um, Great. I can only imagine. Yeah, those (laughs) jokes weren't even terribly funny anyway. No, 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 they're not. So in the first season, Penny's like the main female character and she's, the whole show is like, they're all scientists and they're all nerds and there's this one girl penny who exists and she's not a scientist that's like the joke is that she's not she doesn't understand what they're talking about which i think is dumb later on yeah. they, they introduce more female characters as hmm. like intellectual women but then like the joke becomes uh they don't under they're so intellectual that they don't understand like how to be a woman like they don't understand femininity so there's no way it's it, it's very trope heavy yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah. Also, so, yeah. you know what's interesting is I don't know if you've watched uh, the Queen's Gambit, which um, was really popular in at the end of 2020, and we just finished it last hmm. night. And it's basically the story of a woman chess player 
but chess is like this realm of male exclusivity Mm. and it kind of turns this whole idea of a woman being incapable of holding her own on its head Mm. because she ends up becoming very well known in the chess. I mean, without spoilers, like she becomes really good at chess and like kind Mm -hmm. of throws these men through for a loop. Right. So I really like that limited series on Netflix because it kind of, it was the opposite of what I had seen Mm. my whole life, which is like, there's a group of men and then they they have one girl that just hangs out with them for reasons unbeknownst to anyone. Um, Mm. She could go do literally anything else and she's hanging out with a bunch of men who just make fun of her all the time. This is like a woman who's like very skilled and actually like really, really good at what she does, um, even more so than the men. And there's also this sense of camaraderie between them, like this equivalence where they they end up working together to, you know, help support each other, which is Mm -hmm. really completely different. In a more... um recent example of of the um the smurfette principle in video games uh the borderlands series Mm. um so you have a whole bunch of playable characters and there's only one female playable Mm -hmm. character and you know when the when the characters are introduced there's like you know so and so the whatever their job is or whatever their expertise is you know like the the words flash across the screen and then the female character is introduced as the siren yeah if you know anything about mythology, <laughs> <laughs> the sire—it's literally just—it's a—it's sh- a woman whose whose purpose it is to trick men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't have any real goals or aspirations in life. She's just her whole thing is like I like to trick men, mm-hmm. which yep. is you know not a great. If you're gonna pick any descriptor of all women, not a great one. <laughs> She honestly, and then it just feels like the token girl. Yeah. And look, hey, I I love Borderlands. I the the game is just it's such a blast to play. If you like first person shooters, kind of crass humor and very stylized action, and lots and lots of really cool, funky guns in a in a shooter game, Borderlands is definitely for you. But look. Like we were saying before, there are games that we absolutely love that contain these harmful tropes. And unfortunately, this is one of them. What's another trope that uh, that we want to talk about? Can we talk about women as, like, decoration? Like, when I think about this, I think of, like, Grand Theft Auto. I've only played GTA Five, but I know that there are, like, this has existed before then, where there's, like, you can go into a strip club, strip club, excuse me, <laughs> strip club. Um, <laughs> uh, you can go into a strip club, and there's just, like, scantily clad women dancing around. But if I'm not mistaken, you cannot choose a woman as your, as a playable character. Really? I've never played any of the Grand Theft Auto. I mean, I, so I, I like I used to work for GameStop, so I obviously was somewhat familiar with uh, with Grand Theft Auto because it was so popular. But I had never played one, so I didn't realize that you can't actually play a. I don't know it's if that's not... true. I mean, if if it's not true, please like leave leave me a little comment comment on Instagram and like let me know. But I really I I don't remember being able to pick a female character at all, and I do remember that there's like women all around, but all you can do is like run them over with your car or like watch them dance around in their underwear. Yeah, I, like uh, again, like I said, I'm not super familiar with the with the Grand Theft Auto series. I want to uh, zoom in specifically on 
a facet of women as background decoration um, that is far more harmful than just, I mean, granted, you know, like strippers in the background, um, just like that, that women are just kind of around as sort of eye candy or to decorate a scene is problematic. Again, simply boiling it down to the fact that women are objects or products or commodities to be, you know, used and and tossed around on, on, on the screen. Mm. But there's, there's a facet of this that's even more harmful. And a descriptor of this trope could be like the drop dead gorgeous trope, which kind of manifests as dead women fetishized and placed into sexy poses. Um, you probably see this in high fashion ads, even some, some, uh, some fast fashion and low fashion ads of like women in practically dead poses, like lying mm. there. And it's, and, and they're in, but they're posed in a sexually seductive manner. An example of this was the ad campaign. Actually, there were two ad campaigns. One was for Hitman Blood Money. And that's another series of games that I, that I love. Um, Hitman games are very well produced games. But in any case, um, speaking of the, the, the trope specifically, their ad campaign featured a number of posters or, or images of murdered bodies of sexualized women. Um, so like women in, in lingerie killed, like maybe with like a, a bullet wound or just simply dead lying there, but posed in a sexual manner. I'm backing away from the mic cause I'm like, <laughs> anybody, yeah. Sorry. um, posed in a sexual manner and with like the tagline, for example, beautifully executed. Ew, that's so icky. And the game itself is about an assassin. You play the part of an assassin who's like very good at his job. So that's kind of the the message that that's underlying there. But of course, to gain sales with their target demographic of straight teenage cisgender boys, you plaster it with um <laughs> with women who are uh, yeah. in lingerie and and dead. Isn't uh, there, in, in Mafia 2, isn't there, there's, like, a specific scene where there's, like, a stripper, and then you shoot her, and then you have yeah. to, like, battle someone, like, over her dead body? I, I don't I don't remember exactly. I don't think you actually kill her. I think sh- it's part of the cutscene where, okay. like, she's, she's, um, she's performing, and then in the cutscene she gets killed, and you have to kill her killer, but the whole battle between you and the villain takes place over her dead body um lying there as you're you're having a gun battle back and forth between between the yeah the guy you and the guy who shot her and that's like more front and center kind of stuff but it exists like even in in background dressing like you know like the trope itself uh women is background decoration you have in for example bioshock 2 eroticized female bodies that are you know maimed or mutilated in some way they're kind of just seen scattered around in the background in one of the levels and what's what's interesting about this is that it's exclusively female bodies and not male bodies and and even though male bodies might be strewn around there like maimed uh as part of the background dressing to sort of accentuate the the scariness of this particular level or scene the male bodies are not presented in any kind of sexual or provocative Mm -hmm. manner and often they're fully clothed. The female bodies are the ones that are like in lingerie or or in their underwear or in some games completely nude. Again, it's the commodifying of female bodies for for male um, gratification. Yeah. Um, Anita Sarkeesian in her um, in in the episode 
about this particular trope. She had this great line to describe it. She said that this is the collusion of violence done to women's bodies and the fact that it is often sexualized. The idea being that a dead woman is still inherently beautiful, even if her body has been maimed, her life stolen from her, something arousing still remains available for male consumption. That's disgusting. Yeah. I think I think that just, that sits upon the power balance or the power inequality that is necessary for something to be sexually interesting for people. Like if if you have two people who are exactly the same, they're not going to necessarily be attracted to each other. And so there has to be some sort of imbalance. And the more extreme that imbalance is, uh, the more sexually interesting it can be. But it doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily need violence in order to exemplify inequality in a sexually interesting way. Like right. maiming women without their consent is like not hot. Hmm. I'm just going right. to put it out there. <laughs> like you can, you can tie someone up. You can like, you know, you, you there's, a, there's ways to do the inequality, the, the submissive dominant thing without murdering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> without murdering. Um, what you touched on there, I think is, absolutely crucial and that is consent yeah and i think what is often missed in um sexual ethic is the concept of consent in these instances the characters obviously they're fictional characters they're created by the developers so like no no individual is being harmed directly as a result of these characters but these developers they might not know what they're doing but they know what they're doing yeah <laughs> It might not be conscious, but they're try they're trying to get something here. And at the end of the day, these sort of acts towards women's bodies, whether they are violent or non-violent, like you were just saying, it points to the fact that they're still non-consensual. Um, so even if you have the most gentle sexual interaction with someone, if they didn't consent to it, it is assault, harassment, or rape. There's no way around it. Yeah. If they did consent to it, then anything goes within the confines of a consensual relationship or agreement. So I feel like we're, we're educating here, but I think this is important for anybody listening. And if you're like, you know, I, and I, I get on this train a bit because I come from a very conservative background where consent uh, doesn't play as big a role. Mm. Uh, and part of the reason for that is they think they, they use this downplaying of consent um, as a way to kind of vilify very healthy expressions of sexuality. So yeah. whether that's um, LGBTQ relationships or whether that's, um, you know, sex outside of the confines of religious marriage, then they'll say, you know, those are not healthy expressions of sex. Well, if both parties consented to the relationship, it is a healthy expression of sex. Yeah. Anyways, I digress. Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> I think that's very important. So thank you mm -hmm. for bringing it up. I want to talk about women as a prize. <laughs> um, the only thing that the only example of this that I could really think of, because I don't play a lot of like, that's the word I'm looking for, sh chauvinistic games where like, it's like <laughs> a man is going to get a woman. Um, the only thing that I could think of that's like outwardly like a prize other than the princess in the tower trope is in Skyrim. When you finish your first big battle, in the main quest, you get Lydia. <laughs> and what I mean by that is like, you go to the Jarl who's like, I guess he's like the mayor. And you're like, okay. Hey, I like 
defeated this dragon. And he's like, cool. As a prize, I'm going to give you this, like, axe that says that you're now the best boy in town. (laughs) It's like the axe of Whiterun. It has some cool powers. And I'm going to give you some cool armor and maybe some gold and stuff. And I'm also going to give you Lydia. And Lydia is going to be your personal house, Carl. And she's going to follow you around and basically do whatever you want. As my fame, I'm sworn to your service. I'll guard you and all you own with my life. Oh? So you're concerned about my beauty. So, like, you want Lydia to carry some heavy stuff? Like, that's Lydia's job now. You want Lydia to go and, like, fight all your battles for you? Like, Lydia has to do that. You want Lydia to go, like, pick some stuff up and, like, go put it over there? Like, she'll do it. And, like, you literally get to tell her to do whatever you want. Now, I will say that in Skyrim, as you go throughout city to city, you get to be, like... You, you can get a new house, Carl, in every city. And the city, every city has like a varying gender and race uh, for their house, Carl, that you can get. But the first one that you're like required to get for the main quest is Lydia. And she's a woman. And she's one of the few select characters that you are eligible to marry in the game, too. Mm-hmm. So if you want to just like marry your servant that's been assigned to you, that it's really like kind of a slave because you don't pay her anything, uh, yeah. you can do that. So I just think that that's problematic. But I don't know. Do you have any examples of um, woman as like a prize or a reward? Well, one that's a bit more subtle and and it's a it's kind of uh, kind of meta, <laughs> as, as in it's it's a little bit outside the game. Is that uh, in in Mass Effect? One of the things of inherent to the Mass Effect series, uh, particularly Mass Effect Two, is that you're going around um, recruiting characters. Um, that will join your team hmm. to, you know, to, to fight the big fight. And, uh, anyone who's played Mass Effect will, will know that it's a, it's an amazing game. It doesn't really fall prey to a lot of the tropes that we, that we've mentioned, at least the more blatant or, or overt ones. But there is something that's a bit subtle. One of the characters that you recruit, if you, if you as the player accomplish a certain set of, um, of goals within the game that the game has, has defined for you, you will gain a character to your team named Jack. Look, you want me to come with you? Make it worth my while. Join my team and I'll do what I can for you. Don't make promises you can't keep. Her default appearance is as a practically topless with essentially a very tiny little string bikini top as, um, as we all wear in our yes. day, day-to-day lives that's just woman dress <laughs> exactly her um her bodily covering is tattoos but come on um so your reward then for accomplishing that set of tasks is to have a character on your crew who is a scantily clad woman Hmm. and granted like her characterization isn't overtly sexual um and they kind of use the the some her somewhat nude appearance as a way of like to describe her i don't give a fuck kind of attitude but because it's a bit meta and because it's like a reward (laughs) for the gamer a little out of game it's kind of like i don't know that's that's the one i could think of at least as far as games that i've played i i don't know the the trope itself, the more overt examples of that trope, I haven't played any of those games, so I can't think of, uh, of examples, but, um, but yeah, like, again, you're like rewarding the player for doing, doing things in game that provides them, uh, some kind of gratification, 
that's visually sexually stimulating mm. um you know the witcher uh, the witcher series is an example of that um and like i said in the last episode the witcher 3 is one of my favorite games um of recent memory but one of the things in in the witcher is that if again if you accomplish a certain set of tasks according to the game and of course it's played out in the story and whatever um you are rewarded with a sex scene with a fully nude woman what um, yeah that's real yeah, that, it's part of the oh my God. part of the like the romance paths. Now, to be fair, the modding community has done a great job of providing you with a little bit of equal gratification for the female gamers of designing a fully nude male character for those sex scenes as well. <laughs> well so thanks, guys. Um, yeah, so you know, <laughs> equal opportunity visual stimulation for you. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, woman as reward, uh, that, that plays out for the, for the character. You accomplish a set of, of tasks according to the game. And it's, it's, you know, within the story, right? You're supposed to like play out the romance story so that you have a romance scene, yeah. um, in the game. But it's it's one of those tropes that when when like I don't know how overtly harmful it is as far as the the scene itself, but it does kind of fall into that category of um of a trope. Yeah. So in any case let's talk about lady sidekicks the lady sidekick yeah i just want to say i have i have originally had no problem with this i had absolutely no problem with like women being Mm -hmm. sidekicks because it's like we're being included like that's great i love being included in things what what could go wrong right but then you think about it and in a lot of examples there's no meaningful interaction, meaning like you can't have a real deep like storyline defining conversation with your sidekick. They're kind of just there to hold your stuff or like open doors. There's no equal footing between the characters, meaning like the main character is the main character and the sidekick is very clearly defined as a helper. Mm-hmm. Females are portrayed as tools you know, with a lady sidekick mm-hmm. to complete tasks. So they have some special power that's like amazing and they can do all these things, but that's all they can do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like they could have like magic powers, and they like super strength or something, but they like can't swim. Like just some, right. some random skill that's only applicable to one certain instance. And the other thing too is like the issue that I have with this is sometimes men are portrayed as sidekicks but when men are portrayed as sidekicks, it's usually like they're equal to the main mm-hmm. character. So in a lot of like first person shooters, like war style shooters, like you'll have other characters and PCs or sidekicks playing alongside you, but they're in your squad. They're in your crew. Right. Like they're not, they're like the same rank as you or, you know, similar. With a woman, it's like she's completely different. <laughs> she's- yeah she's like from a different race she's from a different society she only exists in this like one level of the game and then she's gone forever i don't know i mean i yeah i I watched i watched that video with um anita sarkeesian and i have to admit that i stole two of these because i haven't Mm -hmm. i haven't played bioshock infinite because i heard it was like a little bit problematic but in bioshock infinite there's a helper character elizabeth Mm -hmm. 
basically she has this like really cool power where she can like open portals to like yeah. different time dimensions have you played this game yeah yeah okay. i played i haven't i haven't finished it so i actually never got very far in it but i got far enough to meet elizabeth so i haven't actually been able okay. to um to use her power in in the game at all but yeah i'm i'm like as as i started playing it i'm like oh god there's all, all there are already some really problematic themes yeah. in the opening uh certain <laughs> issues with uh with with some racism and um yeah. and like the glorification of uh of whiteness but i only got as far as um when you m- first meet elizabeth or you first kind of see her so i haven't had the opportunity to really use her power or anything but yeah uh, from what i from what i know about the game that's essentially all she exists she's for, a glorified just- door opener yeah she's got like a really cool power but like she doesn't get to decide when it's used like you as um, the white blonde man are like use your yeah. power and then she's like okay and then you're like yeah. open this door and she's like okay what am i you're the girl who's getting out of this tower yeah she she might as well just be the the gun in portal exactly yeah that's pretty much all she is except she's a yeah. person which makes it bad another one is uh ellie in the last of us the last of us was a little bit too spooky for me so i didn't finish it but i do remember i loved that game (laughs) it was very good it was just very scary it was yeah (laughs) um there's this character ellie who's like and i mean the last of us is a great game right but ellie is perfectly capable in most situations but as soon as she comes in contact with water she like almost nearly drowns and so you have to spend like a good portion of the game like saving her from like (laughs) waist deep swamp water um i do remember one thing that i will say in defense of the last of us is that you do get to play as ellie it for one or two levels and she is fucking amazing to play as yeah um but like but yeah that when the levels where you're playing is joel Ellie is kind of annoying and useless. Um, <laughs> when, though, why? Though in, in this, I, I don't know. Well, she's part of it is also she's a little kid that you're dragging along yeah. uh, on this journey. Um, she is the MacGuffin of the story. Um, <laughs> not, like, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it or anything, but but she is the reason that storyline exists. Um, she could be like you know the the triforce in in a zelda game mm. or she could be like the the shield or the sword the master sword or whatever she she's not a like she is a decently fleshed out character and and has a good arc in the last of us 2 from what i understand i haven't played it because i don't think i want to put myself through those kinds of emotions <laughs> from from what i've seen of the game i'm like i i don't have the stomach yeah. for that but um from what i understand ellie as a character in the last of us 2 is the logical kind of um, outflow of what took place in in her story in the first game, but to to your point, she does fall into that that trope. She she is a classic example of like an ineffective female sidekick <laughs> character, <laughs> just help, oh. helpless. Okay, I I feel like, and we were talking about this before we we started recording, but like the the worst slash best example of this yeah. is is um the the one that you were you were mentioning too was um uh from from a zelda game right yeah yeah rudo in ocarina oh. of time who is like uh she's azora and if you don't know azora is a fish person and it's very important to know that they're a fish person because this, this is the water this is a water right, the water level level yeah. yeah it's you're like inside a bigger fish right you're a fish <laughs> well you're not a fish you're a human and the kingfish, who's good, is like, 
help my daughter. She's in a big fish, but it's a bad fish. So then you have to go into the big fish, who's a bad fish, who's even bigger than the kingfish, to get the little <laughs> fish, who's the princess fish. And her name yeah. is Rudo. And she's kind of a bitch. <laughs> so she's, yeah, she's a brat. Yeah. She's, okay, <laughs> absolute, she's a brat. Yeah. That's a better way of putting Sorry, it. Sorry. I, I didn't mean that as, as a way to correct you. I was <laughs> no, reiterating no. that, but also kind of. That's a, uh, be- like, that's yeah. a better word yes. because I just see her as a fully formed adult because link is treated like an adult in that game even though he's like 10 but as as a fully formed adult she only she only shows up to like grant you special powers at the end of the yeah like towards the end of the game right like when she's around in the game she's just a kid yeah she doesn't yeah. really do anything in that in that level <laughs> except you can carry her on your head like a pot <laughs> and <laughs> And then she, like, complains the entire time. She's, like, mad at you for rescuing her. And then you can put her on buttons and use her, like, also like a pot or a box. Right. To hold open a door, like, to unlock a door. So, in order to unlock a door, you have to press a button, but then it automatically (laughs) unpresses when you step off of it. So, what do you do? You pick up Rudo and you let her sit on the button. Like, again, (laughs) to bring up my portal example... She's one of the boxes in Portal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the vital apparatus vent will deliver a weighted companion cube in three, two, one. This weighted companion cube will accompany you through the test chamber. Please take care of it. More or less. Like these characters, like Elizabeth in Bioshock Infinite and Rudo in uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time, Portal has given us a great example of like how those characters that are women or girls, could simply just be inanimate objects in another game. Yes, they could. (laughs) Come on, Portal, you're not supposed to teach us things. Yeah, yeah. So, I I don't know. I mean, I liked Rudo. I thought she was spunky, but I also found her to be incredibly annoying. And I think that's, like, that's that's this common thread of, like, women as sidekicks is, like, they're sort of helpful, but also very annoying. (laughs) So real quick, I like a word. We're like way over time, but I'm having fun. Let's just let's just plow through the rest of these uh, these tropes that we have listed here. So the the next one is the um, the exotic fantasy, and like there there are a few examples of this. I think in one of the Far Cry games, there's an example of um, the, one of one of the characters you come across. I didn't play any of the Far Cry games. It just didn't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the series didn't appeal to me. Like I look at it now and I think maybe it could be a game that I could get into or a game series I could get into, but I feel lost now because mm-hmm. it, it feels like there's so much more lore that I would have to get into before I could play it. But in any case, from what I understand, one of the characters that you come across is a, um, uh, a black woman who comes from some like tribe, some s- tribe of special people who have mystical powers. So you're basically, you're like, you're, you're one or one of a few black characters has mystical powers like you're like (laughs) right like you're othering people here and 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 the whole like the exotic fantasy is essentially what's what's going on here and so sarkeesian gives us um sort of uh, a definition for exotification which really spoke to me because of of my ethnic background so she says exotification occurs when a group is treated as inherently different alluring and strange for instance when certain white men falsely view asian women as inherently more obedient or submissive than women from other cultures and sexually fetishize them as a result of these false notions. Uh, Those women are being exotified and their race is falsely depicted as the defining aspect of their character and personality. That's just, you know, a a, 
a perfect example right there. You've got a black character. What are you going to do for the black character? Not just let them be uh, uh, an incredible <laughs> black woman character in your video game. Yeah. You're going to make her a part of some, you know, mysterious tribe who has like special powers. Yeah. Anyways, that's problematic. <laughs> yeah. And then this one that I don't know that there's much to say about it, except it's just it's everywhere. Lingerie as armor. I mean, the nipples need to be protected. That's that's, oh, yeah. that's the weak spot. <laughs> Once you get the, the one... nipples, that's a complete KO. Yep, exactly. But everything else, everything else on the female body is fair game. It's, everything else is impenetrable. Like it's. <laughs> oh, right. I, I actually have my skin is so thick. If you were to stab me, the knife would just break off. But You've not on dragon my. But not on my nipples. <laughs> That's that's why that's like that. Yeah. So uh, ev- obviously every fighting game has this oh God, like yeah. trope really hard, but I think it's because these games are like the game developers are like how do we make women characters palatable for men? They're not going to respect women as equals, so let's just right. make them hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. A dead or alive is essentially like just a bunch of, you know, women in bikinis fighting. Right. And like and then of course they had their the new mechanic that they introduced with the first Dead or Alive game where they like had bouncing boobs in That's exciting. In, in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um uh I Metal Gear Solid five. Uh great game, by the way. But your side your one sidekick character, oh my god, her name is Quiet. I hate and, that very much. And to top it all off. Pun not intended. Her top is just a string bikini. Um, well, like I said, the nips got to yeah. be covered. <laughs> yep. Got to protect those nips. <laughs> um, like Metal Gear Solid. Come on. And I, do, I don't recall this happening in any other Metal Gear Solid game. Like Meryl from the first Metal Gear Solid uh, game wasn't like this. She wore like army fatigues. Yeah. Like Quiet shows up in a bikini top. Quiet. <laughs> yeah and i don't think she says oh i didn't finish the game so maybe at the end of the game she talks but i don't remember her saying a word she's a sidekick character who you can't do anything with yeah who's a specialist so she's like just exists for that one tiny little yeah. function she's silent and she wears a bikini top all right moving <laughs> on yeah I'm, we, I'm we, done. check that I'm box done. Yeah. the world needs you again adventurer you must leave this small, insignificant town and travel with me to the Tree of Light. I accept. Now, before we leave this pointless place, you must put on the breastplate of Smargon. That's it. I refuse to wear that. How is that supposed to protect me? It's magically enchanted? Why don't we try it on now? Cool. <laughs> it's like, very... okay, I got a, a chainmail bra. Great. Okay. Yeah. Also, yeah. very uncomfortable as far as bras go. Not, right? Wouldn't be my first choice, but, you know, again, I'm not in yeah. active combat. <laughs> we need to talk about the last, this is the last thing, which yeah. is there is no real body diversity in any video game for oh, for no. men or for women, but I think right, it's no. especially harmful for women, since they're only in bikinis. 
Right. So I was thinking about this, and even in games where you can like make your own character, there's like a limit mm. for how fat you can make your character. And I'm I'm saying fat as a positive term, and not as a like I hate fat people because I like love people who are big. I just love mm. everybody. But if you want to at me in Twitter or in uh, Instagram, please tell me how yeah. I should talk. Anyway, moving on. There's a limit to how large you can make someone but there's really not a whole lot of limit to how small you can make someone which i think is problematic mm. because the average weight of a man in the united states is around it's like just under 200 pounds the average right. weight of a woman in the united states is around 170 pounds okay both of those i believe are overweight and yet, if you want to play a video game character, you cannot play someone who matches you in terms of BMI, most yeah. cases, which yeah. I think is like, it's again, it's what we were talking about before of there's a lack of representation in gaming. Yeah. And I think it's important, it's important in any media, but I think it's especially important in video games surrounding our conversation right now, because this is interactive media, because you're controlling this character on screen, mm -hmm. especially if you can create the character, if like the game has a character creation tool, you should be able to create a character that represents you, especially, look, I want to be very open about the fact that I, I think it's important for you to own your body and feel comfortable in your body. And for those people who are gamers who have learned to feel comfortable in their body, whether it's a plus size body or a, or a skinny body or, or you know, a, whatever style of body you have, and you've learned to be comfortable with it, but you're playing a game in which you create your character and you can't create a character that looks like you, mm -hmm. it's yeah yeah it's, it's, and, i mean not to mention like let's say you're someone who has a, a disability or you you have you've had yeah. an amputation like where is the character creation for that it doesn't exist like right. let's say you're blind is there like a way for you to like i mean talk about accessibility like there's mm -hmm. probably not a game that you can play as a blind person fully mm -hmm. but like if there was is there a character for you to play Probably right. not. Is there are there deaf characters? Like probably not. So I mean, this is just something that I think game developers in the future will hopefully look into. But like, it's mm -hmm. definitely a conversation that I think we should we should continue. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So with all, I mean, speaking of representation, um, one thing that I do want to kind of mention is that historically there's been a lack of LGBTQ representation in video games, and we're still kind of seeing that, but I know there's like a handful of games out there. I don't want to go into like a, a, a list or anything, but it's out there. So I think it's in a way it's praiseworthy, but the fact that I can only think of like two off the top of my head, you've got Ellie in The Last of Us 2, who's the main protagonist, who is um, lesbian. And then you've, and then a non-playable character in um, Dragon Age Inquisition, uh, who is a gay man. We're getting there. I think there, there are a bunch of non-playable characters throughout different games who are um, maybe trans or non-binary or what have you. But we can always go further. Yeah. I think we can always get better at representing people in video games, especially in video games, because... Look, maybe you can make an argument for like, well, there are not enough actors, which is bullshit. But, you know, you could say, well, there are not enough really talented A-list actors who are of a certain, you know, rep, like a, a certain gender identity or no, there a certain. Are. Yeah, you there are. It's bullshit. <laughs> but if you want to make that argument, fine. But in video games, it's even less of an argument that you can make because 
the developers can create the characters. Mm-hmm. These are fictional characters that they can create. Yeah. So do it. Yeah. <laughs> create the characters. Do it. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for listening. If you made it through this entire episode, sorry that it was so much longer than than usual, but we had a lot to say. Yeah. This is fun. This was fun. I feel like we could talk about video games um forever. A whole bunch. Forever. But Me too. We're we're gonna we're gonna stop now. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. And if you don't have one yet, head over to don'treatthispodcast.com to see a list of all of the apps that we're available on. Uh, Share this episode with your friends and family. Rate and review us on iTunes. Five stars. Yes, five stars. Five stars gets extra credit and maybe, uh, you know, a a PlayStation trophy. That's right. (laughs) And uh, yeah, follow us on social media. We are at Don't Repeat This Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Don't Repeat Pod on Twitter. Uh, so on behalf of my co-hosts, Gail and Vicky, I'm Nate, and this has been Don't Repeat This. So let me try not to repeat this stuff at the dinner table. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>